It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Inside the Birds is back. Yeah, we got the usual suspects here. We got Adam Kaplan, former Eagle Billy Osborne, myself, Jeff Mosher. This is going to be, fellas, our Combine preview edition of Inside the Birds because we got, even though today we're recording this on a Friday, March, what, 22nd? The Combine technically doesn't start until... I guess technically March for oh yeah what did I say you said March that's okay. March my bad no February the t- the combine workouts start March first right but everybody flies in by Tuesday all the 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 backroom conversations the executives the agents everything really begins on Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday Wednesday right. really in fact I talked to a team this week said look they're going to be done all their business for free agency on Friday right. Right. So naturally, yeah. with the NFL about that, that's amazing, by the way. That's before there's even probably most of the workouts, but you're talking about agents. We're talking about free agents. Agency, you're right. talking about, yeah, free right. agency contracts. It, yeah. Right. So, so to set this up very quickly, mm-hmm. what happens is every agent's got to be there for the, the, the agent NFLPA meeting. Right. agent seminar, which is either Thursday or Friday. This year, someone told me it's Friday this year. Is, isn't it normally it. Friday? Almost always Thursday. That's right. Thursday. But anyway, it's either Thursday or Friday. So the teams know that the agents have to be there. So, for instance, if you have to, if you're going to ask a player for a pay cut, sometimes you want to do it in person with an agent, especially if it's a big time player, or if you're involved in a contract negotiation. FaceTime matters. Anytime you can get in front of an agent, you can go back and forth. You can really move this thing going forward. So teams know that, especially the ones that don't have players in the combine or have players, but those guys, as you said, Jeff, aren't running till the weekend. Right when you get there is a time to start getting these conversations done. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. One team told me that uh, their contract negotiators leaving Friday night because they're going to get all their business done yeah. early in the week. It makes sense. You know, a lot of people ask me all the time, and Ozzy, they probably ask you on a different level. You probably get asked a lot, what's it like to be an athlete, a professional athlete, right? Well, I'm Adam and I get, and I'm sure, Adam, I'm going to speak for you here. For the people who are less athletically inclined but really into sports, we get, what's it like to be a sports writer or a sports reporter? And I always say, no matter what sport you cover, there's an element of waiting that will test your patience like none other. And for me, it started off being a baseball writer 
where you literally had to get to the park at 3 o'clock and wait until maybe 5 o'clock. You watched everybody do batting practice. You watched everybody do fielding practice. You just stood there and watched until finally somebody would come and talk to you. Then I covered some NBA games, and you would watch the last uh, two minutes of, of practice, right? I used to do the backup for the New Jersey Nets. And then Jason Kidd, I think he did this intentionally. He would work out. He would do 45 to 55 minutes on the treadmill before he spoke to reporters. Instead of just getting his five-minute session with us over with and then going to do his workout, I think he intentionally, because he disliked the media, would work out and make us wait 55 to 60 minutes sometimes while he ran on a treadmill. The combine, Adam... Nothing brings sports reporters together more than all of the agents in the NFL in the same room at the same time. And that's an, uh, about a three to five hour meeting But between it's all said and done. So if you ever go to the Sagarin room, I want to call it, in the convention center at Indianapolis, where the meeting usually takes place, I think it's called the Sagarin room. That is where you will find the Adam Kaplans and the Jeff Moshers and all the, the sports reporters of the world just kind of standing there like this. Wonder who's going to come out of that meeting in the next two or three minutes. And you'll get guys who take bathroom breaks and you can talk to them. But I've always found that fascinating. The this It's almost like the zoo for us where we would stand we stand outside and we literally just wait for these guys to come in and out. So, so when I first started covering the league and my first combine, I think it was 01 or 02, this is when very few of the national media would be. There were probably maybe 50 or 100 of us. Now there's 1,500 to 2,000. Right. So when it was at the RCA Dome, Jeff... Uh, Billy, when you were, were were you a combine guy? Yeah, I, I, I have so many experience with the combine as a player, as a Dome? scout, and uh, yes, first yeah. I was at the RCA. Okay, Dome. So, we'll so the way it would work would be the coaches and executives would come out of the RCA dome, actually out of the workout, mm-hmm. and they would have to walk straight ahead, and there were really no restrictions. I could stop a personnel guy or a coach or a player if I wanted. Hey, grab him real quick, ask him a question. Now it's got it's completely changed. They moved it to the now, which is called. Uh, w- w- um, it's called Lucas, Lucas Oil, Oil Stadium. Yeah, and they used to l- give us access on th- on the concourse. Now they don't. We don't have the concourse anymore. They actually moved it to the convention center mm-hmm. downstairs, mm-hmm. and you don't see anybody. You don't see they, what they do is they bring players to you. So the access is different now. But what happens is everything happens at night. This is when you see coaches and executives. And that's then right. You, then what? The bars, what, the restaurants, the hotels. Steak and shake at midnight. Steak, I well, that's see, where Andy Reid's going to be. Andy Reid and Marty Mordecai, <laughs> when they work together, I would see those guys. Right. Uh, midnight, always getting a milkshake. It's funny because it's like clockwork. certain teams, right, and certain players, I'm sorry, coaches, have a reputation for staying at the same places. So if you need, knew you needed to get player, I'm sorry, uh, executive A or coach B or whatever, like Adam's saying, Andy Reid was always a steak and shake. As a reporter, you would just position yourself in that restaurant for the night or in that steak and shake or in that hotel bar uh, and just hope that you would get your guy. It's such a game of fish sometimes. It's like literally throwing a rod out and seeing what bites. I knew back in the day I wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't know exactly when or where they were going to be there. So I would like just camp out. Just yeah. camp out. And then there's, there's then there's a group of players and coaches and whatever that also tend to maybe have a little bit li- different libation than a milkshake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then they also uh, do that, and they run pretty hard uh, some nights, and you can also gather up and see some, people there, too. Yeah, we have some great combine stories that we're going to share as we, as we go along in the podcast. One thing that I think is kind of interesting to mention, that this is the time when the NFL comes together. It's usually a pretty good time for the NFL because – you're starting to enter the real meat and potatoes of the offseason, and the interest level is skyrocketing. ABC is actually going to do a two-hour broadcast 
of the quarterback wide receiver drills during the combine for the first time ever. And what's really interesting for this specific combine is the news that we're, we're doing this podcast right now on a Friday, midday, and the news just broke that Robert Kraft is involved uh, down in Florida in a sting, a police sting that involves prostitution and human trafficking. So we don't, all, it's, all they said was Robert Kraft was charged. That, that's what the, the yeah, report said. Yeah, it's charged said. In, a, in a prostitution, prostitution, prostitution. ring. Right. That's all we know. We're, this was an Eagles podcast, but... Correct. But no, I just wanted to bring that up but because it's... that's not it's, something yeah. you see every day, and it, it just changes kind of the landscape. When you see an NFL owner named in something like this, charged with something like this, this is a big story, obviously. Yeah. Because owners and, do go to the Combine, too. Yes, Jerry yeah, Jones goes on the say, Cowboys yeah, bus. Yep, on the bus. every year. Yeah. And then we have the owners' meetings in March, which I'll be at in Arizona the third week of March. So that's right. something. When you see that story break Friday afternoon, you're like, what? Exactly. It's not something you expect to see. No, yeah. it isn't. And to your point about you know ABC broadcasting it, just uh, the inclination, how far it's come. You know, When I was a player, they didn't even film it at all. You had to literally wait for the NFL to distribute the tapes when it was done to each team. Like They had somebody that would do it for you. And of course, you were there and you were able to you know do certain things. But the NFL did that on their own, okay? And then they worked with Bledsoe at the time. It was the NFL Scouting Combine Service. When I was a scout, again, it still wasn't really publicized. NFL Films actually was camped out in my room at the Combine, right, as Adam said, which was connected to the RCA Dome. There's a hotel there, as you know, Adam, that's an old train that they put out there. Oh, the... um Oh, it, I, I think it's yes, a Hyatt brand, or but it's, it's but right it's, in the middle, right. right? And there's a train station that runs on top. Now yep. mm-hmm. that that area, Bill, is off limits to media, correct? And off limits to agents. Agents, what the agents do is they walk their players up to that hotel. It's like the cutoff line, and then you can't get. No, I've can't actually been in there. Yeah, I've back actually. In the day, you can walk right in. Yeah, there's no you, big deal. Yeah. Well, they they still block it off when the when the players come in. It's off limits to anyone other than let you have. They check your credential. But it's really changed. It's it's a little bit more high tech, obviously. So, Bill, when you you when you work for the Chiefs and personnel, as we get into this, yeah, I was just going to tell you that story too. So, so, so give us an idea. Give us an idea of what you accomplished. Like what when you would have those combine meetings. I know I know it's changed somewhat, but it's still the same thing. You're trying to get information. What as a what a, as a personnel guy did you get out of it? Oh, it was. It was unbelievable. I mean, as a personnel guy, and at that time, I was the uh, kind of the young guy. So each team had to send one or two young guys to help out with the combines. That's how crazy it was. They didn't, we, really, we didn't have, you know, there was, it's so, so different now. But I was the Kansas City Chiefs representative that helped out. Billy Davis, who's the old defensive coordinator from the Eagles, now signed with the uh, Arizona Cardinals again. Wait, he's he, back in the NFL? I didn't yeah, he's coaching that. with the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And the GM... For the Atlanta Falcons, right now, currently, mm-hmm. Thomas Dimitrov. Correct. Us three were together working the you know the combines and working the drills. So what you did is you prepared for the combine. So everybody would fly into Kansas City, all the scouts, all the personnel guys, and we would get like a basically like a game plan. We would go over all the players, we would rate them, we would rank them, and we would know okay when the receivers come in, here's who we're looking at, and you would have a combine booklet. And everybody that came there, everybody, every grade that we put on them, all their stats were in this booklet, you know, that you had for each one, each player. And then as they went through their drills, obviously we would film it. We would, um, you know, we would write notes down. Depending if you were on the field, you could actually get the 40 time or the shuttle time, whatever it was. And then you would go back and you'd meet later that night and decide, 
what you thought about, and then you'd also try and get interviews. So there were certain guys that you wanted to get personal interviews to. So really, it was your way of, in some ways, saving resources from the team where you had to fly out individually and maybe get interviews or things that you were looking for. Every guy had his, a guy's name. And if you couldn't get something during the year, that was your opportunity to fill mm-hmm. in the blank there. Right. And if you, especially if you were in an area that was a high-rated guy, you needed to really finish your prep work there at the combine. Is it more for the interviews to get more out of that for getting face-to-face time with these players? What, what did you? What was the most you got out of it? Personally, I got out of it that there's nothing like seeing guys going up at the same time, standing there, looking there, so to be able to get a rating. I guess you could say, in other words, let's just take it for the real world. In other words, let's say you know you're you're going out there and you're dating a girl, you're dating a girl, and you think she's cute. Well, when she's by herself, you know, she looks a certain way. But when she's with 10 or 15 other girls, you can really right. say if you're right. really attracted to her more than the other 10 girls. It's the same way with the guys. You know, when you're, when you're out there at combines, you're like, oh, yeah, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good receiver. I think he throws well. Now when he throws, you're able to see how his velocity is compared to maybe the other 10 guys that is coming out that are also rated high. And what was your official role? Were you a college scout? Yeah, I was a college scout, but you yeah. also did NFL. I mean, Mark Hatley, who passed away. Yeah. A great, great personnel guy. He was in charge of the pro personnel, and my office was right next to Hat. So we would also constantly evaluate. To, to remember, what I told you before, we would have our own. Once the season started, we would have our own board up there of guys that are out there currently playing, and you would rate them. So in case they got cut, you could pick them right up. But my primary role was an area scout, and my area was. The area like the Big Eight, which was right. Uh, my office was in Kansas City, so I had that, and then I also had wide receivers, and my check all across was the East Coast. So for our younger audience, the Big Eight is basically what the Big Twelve is now, yes. just with a few <laughs> schools that were not part of the Big Eight. Yes, so, so okay. Texas, yes, Oklahoma, yes, Kansas. All right, let's spin this forward here. Nebraska. So, so right. you've you've been a player who went to the combine. Yeah, got you. You've been a personnel guy, a, a scout who mm-hmm. evaluated players at the combine, mm-hmm. and then I went there as an owner of a company. With the helmet, oh, well, which with we helmets, were partners right. with them. So, so you have so very unique, yep, a very unique view. And I mentioned earlier how much you get out of it. You explain what you some things you look at. One thing that I've always had a problem with is overrating. Yes, it's great if you run great at the combine. I, I've used to Troy Williamson. Troy Williamson was a college player, wide receiver who didn't have very much skill, but he ran an incredible forty time. I think he went to South Carolina. Don't quote me. Yes, that. He, he did. Okay, but. The Vikings, unfortunately, drafted him in the first round. He had, like, third-round grades from teams. They drafted him specifically for his speed. Chad Jackson was another receiver from University of Florida. Yes. Got severely overdrafted. Second-round pick. Way overdrafted. Because he had a great 40-time. Yatiel Green? Does he, I believe Yatiel Green from Miami well, back he had, in the day. Uh, he, Green had injury problems. Mamula. Well, no, Mike. No, Mike. Mamula, number 59. Mm-hmm. 42, yep. He had a great NFL combine. He was the poster child. For the NFL Combine, he was yeah, a fir- he moved up. Right. Yeah. right, exactly. Yep. But that's my question to you, Bill. How much weight do you put into the Combine? Everybody's different. That uh, that's a great observation because you know the bottom line is I'm I'm a former player. So can you play or can't you play? You know, if you can run a forty time, that's out of this world. But you can't catch it. It's no, it does does us no good. If you can't pick up the blitz, if you can't pick up stunts, then you can't play receiver. So it's just another tool. In the overall, you know, I guess evaluation process, what it did do was it again, as I said, for teams that wanted to get another eyes on it, or they wanted to get a head coach on it, or they wanted to get, um, you know, maybe maybe there was a really good player and you w- didn't know 
what they, you know, what you thought of, but you wanted your coaching staff to look at them too, because your coaches came in with you. So it allowed your coaches to also get eyes on a player that you may have looked at and you like, and you wanted their second opinion on it. Not to mention, not not to discount. Also, your head coach was there, your GM was there, and at times, so was your owner. So it gave you an opportunity for everybody to see a guy, look at him, and then come together that night while you still had fresh thoughts about someone and were able to really sit there and talk about it and then get a grade on him that night. How, how do you, uh, this is what I've always wondered from the interview process, you wind up interviewing, and I think it's even more now, it's, it's you know, and they're, and they're shorter times, but how do you not get kind of um, sucked into the mundanity of it? Because I'm sure you have a lot of kids with interesting stories, but at the end of the day, you're, you're talking to kids, you're asking them football questions, you're asking them personal questions, and I'm sure they're coached by their agents to, to give no the doubt. same answers. So yep. how, how much do you really learn in that interview process as opposed to when you actually have the kid, what you see? Well, I think it depends on the individual, it depends on the, on the position, it depends on the, uh, on the team. But you'll hear some teams say, we decided to go with this person based on our conversation with them, based on our interview. Mm. So in some aspects, when you're not sure about a guy, or you have two guys or three guys ready to Like a tiebreaker, right? Exactly right. It will be the interview process that you decide who you're going to take or who you're going to rate higher. Mm -hmm. So in some instances, it's very, very critical for a player to go there and perform well and do well. And also- Adam, one other question, one other thought was the Giants, they use that to give their test. They have a test called the Wonderlick test. And everybody used to say, oh, here comes the Giants. It used to run away Everyone from it as a player. It. Now everybody right. uses it. Because yeah. it it's a three or four hour test. And at the right. time, there was only a couple teams. And if you got caught with the Giants, you know, you knew that you were done for oh, three that's hours. Right. That's right. So everybody uh, used to try to avoid right. the Giants because you knew you were going to get sucked into this test. Now, wonder how Lawrence Taylor did on his Wonderlick. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Again, it's another form of measurement. And what they do is they, when they, it's like anything else, when they do this testing, then they can now go back, you know, five or 10 years when they have all these results, they can actually see if the Wonderlick truly projected uh-huh. correctly or not. When they first started, obviously, you're just getting data. See, the thing about the Wonderlick test is I know of quarterbacks who had in the single digits, but they turn out to be very good quarterbacks. So that's why I ask these questions because and vice versa. I would think I bet you there are some quarterbacks who've had amazingly high wonderlick yeah, scores, but can't play a league right, of, right. of so NFL quarterbacks. So, yeah. so, so Jeff, so where are we at here? So we're at the, we're, we're talking about the combine. Well, I guess what I what I wanted to ask yeah. to go back with, with Ozzy is you said the NFL Films was in your room. Yeah. So this yeah, is this as a player that? or as an exe- when you were an executive? This was when I was an, uh, uh, a scout. Okay, why were they in your room? Yeah. What well, were they doing? Because and why are you that interesting? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy because they said to me, you know, Ozzy, we're gonna have, we're gonna give you the suite, and I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm gonna get the suite. That was nice. I'm, I'm the youngest guy, and they said, okay, but also we're gonna conduct the interviews in your in your suite. I'm like, okay, and they also said, uh, well, Steve Sable is gonna be kind of like a tethered to you, and I'm like, okay, because he and Carl Peterson were very close, uh, very close, and. Um, they decided at the time, because the, NFL, the Combines was kind of an anomaly to the public, so right. to speak. So NFL Films wanted to get it out there, what the Combines was all about. So they wanted to show how teams interview, how players are, are processed basically through the Combine. Mm-hmm. And they shot, you know, they, they, they filmed our videos, uh, they filmed our interviews they filmed our discussions. They filmed some of our off, you know, I guess you'd say uh, interviews away from the actual interview. And it was just them to give the public an inside view 
of what the combine. And that's are amazing because like. now, I mean, now it's not even needed. Now everybody sees the combine. Fans they don't in. see the interviews, fans but get in, exactly. Bill. Yeah, you, you fans get, get in. Tickets to get in there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crazy. Would you, you ever guys. thought? Would you ever thought back then, twenty years ago, that the combine would be a televised, uh, attended, publicly attended event? No, it, and it's crazy because as a, an owner of Vices, when I was working for Vices, now I'm with Defend Your Head, but at the time, we wanted to get in front of players and coaches and equipment managers and athletic trainers. So we actually had to get passes. And to Adam's point, you these passes, now we had all access, but there were certain passes that only gave you <laughs> access to the, you know, to the bowl area, they said, not inside the bowl, outside the bowl. Mm-hmm. Or to uh, certain areas where they were getting, you know, weight lifted. Because now you can go see them weight lift, but you can't see when the athletic trainers and the doctors do their their testing. Mm. So, so if, I won't name the person. But so a friend of mine, I don't think he does it anymore because it's now it's you get to see everything. I had a friend who was in the media who snuck into the combine for like ten years. Is he would that like right? get in. A, yeah, oh yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. I, it's amazing. All right, names or it didn't happen. <laughs> no, he's... I know, I'm just... Yeah, so, yeah, I don't want to... So, <laughs> yeah. so listen to this, Adam. You'll love this. So I'll just give you my... Well, we can obviously even talk about other ones, but one of my greatest combine stories as a player was, you know, uh, back when I was at Pitt, you know, that's when they had, like, I think they were going down to eight rounds. So if you got invited to the combines, it was a big deal. It usually meant that you were on the radar to be drafted. You were going to get drafted. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal. I had just broken my collarbone, so I could not run or catch, so I just went in there for the testing. So I basically looked worse than Tom Brady's combine picture, if you guys ever see that. <laughs> yes. Right, so I really prided myself coming from Wildwood working out. Well, when you do three or four months of not being able to do anything because you have a, you know, a clavicle that's snapped in three places, uh, your body tends to you know, go uh, in another direction, and that's the way mine went. So think of Tom Brady and a little worse. Okay. So, I, uh, so I went there and did all that stuff. So I'm there, of course, with the quarterbacks and the receivers, and my roommate is Tom Waddle. And um, mm. uh, former, I mean, few of, at that point, you would say future Bears great. Yes, Waddell. because right. he was at Boston College. He and I were very similar receivers. Uh huh. Even though I had a nineteen point <laughs> one, yeah. Even though I had a nineteen point one average per catch my senior year, somehow really? I was labeled a possession receiver. Yeah, I led the, I led my team and well, led because you were smaller. Might it have something to do? And same thing with Tom with your perhaps Irish slash Italian heritage. Yeah, of course <laughs> it did. What would make you think otherwise? Yes. So it was funny. So Tom Waddle ran a four like seven. So he was so depressed he would well, not go. He would not receiver. go out wow. that wow. night. Mm-hmm. He didn't go out. We all went out to drink. We were like kind of blown off steam. He's like oh, he was so depressed. But he got drafted by a perfect team and a perfect system and to play in eight or nine years. Now, Deion Sanders at the time was prime time Deion Sanders. So uh, you know you guys hear now. Should we go to the combine? Should we perform? Is it eighty nine? Nineteen eighty nine. All right. So February 1989, everybody's wondering if Dion, he's a big name there. So Dion comes in the night before, and he's in his full primetime get-up gear. Regalia. He's got a All leg- neoned up, yeah. like 1989 would be. Exactly. So just picture <laughs> that. He's got a full-length mint coat, you know. Yes. He's got gazelle glasses. He's got a hat sideways. He's got earrings. He's got more chains than Robert Kraft had at the, uh, at the NBA uh, All-Star game last week. <laughs> he had... Two, uh, he had two like knuckle things, and one of them said prime, and the other one said time <laughs> oh on his hand. God. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, everybody's like, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? So the next day, we're all out in the field, and we you know we're seeing because we're there with the DBs. So mm-hmm. as the receivers are going out, the DBs, you know, it's 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 all staged. So we're doing some things, and now the 
defensive backs and corners are running their 40 time. So Dion gets up there, runs a 40, 140, and literally mm-hmm. runs right Tunnel. out to Hoosier Dome. He pulled a flipper right Anderson out right just out the tunnel. And yeah. just kept running. Oh, I love it. And now Crazy. people said that he got into his limo and went home. He got <laughs> he went out the thing and he went back to the hotel and you know did some stuff there and then he left that night. But that was all he did was one forty <laughs> and he ran a four two six, I think it was a four two three. So he, he basically rolled out of bed and ran a four two four. It was a combine record. record. Yes, it yes. Was. yes. Does it yep. still stand? No, no uh, uh, the kid from Washington, John Ross, has John Ross a, ran okay. a four two two a couple right. of years Is that ago. Right? Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you just brought up John Ross. Okay. He's the perfect example of speed not trans- transferring to ability. Mm-hmm. He's got some ability now. Yeah. There's no doubt. Injuries really hurt. But he's had yeah. major injury history. Right. I remember talking to several people before the draft two years ago. Everyone assured me he'd be a late first round pick. The Bengals shocked the world and picked him in the top ten. I mentioned Troy Williams who never should have gone in the first round. This Bill, this is my problem with the speed at the combine. When you watch coaching tape, all twenty-two, and you watch a guy at the combine, how do you connect them? It's it's difficult because sometimes you say, "Does a guy have good game speed?" Because there is guys that have great game speed. You know, Jerry Rice was a four-six guy, and it never seemed like he was covered, and it never seemed like he got tracked down from behind. I, you know, of course, because of me trying to promote myself at the time, I would always say. You know, okay, I don't care what I, t- you know, what I come out like a four, five, seven, or four, five, two is my best time. But I always say, you never saw me get, you know, tracked down from behind. I never, I never, I always been able to get behind people. Yeah, breakaway speed, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, when I, I was like, I was running for my life, so nobody could catch me. So it is true. How that's the that's the number one, I guess you could say, issue or question or things that teams work through are how does their combine performance translate to playing with pads on what do you guys, what do you guys think is, that's it what do you guys think you've watched combines for years now mm-hmm. what is the best drill that gives the you the best indication of a football player's chance to succeed regardless of position wow um i think the drills where you see uh uh, receivers actually running routes and quickness in short spaces. Like when the quarterback's throwing to them yes, and they have like, to catch one, then another, right. then another. I like to see how their hands translate when they're, you know, when they're moving. That's Anybody can catch something yeah. that, you know, just standing still. But when their body's moving, how do they get their body around? How are they able to adjust? How do they track the ball? So for me as a receiver, uh-huh. that would be the one thing that I would Adam. say. An effort, right. Now, I, I, I like, depending on the... Depending on the the position, um, twenty the short shuttle. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yep. Right, twenty yard. Then in, inside the forty, you've got the the ten yard split, which is very important for short area quickness. Yep. I, I like those, but the forty to me, it's just running in a straight line. Like I'll give you an example. Like Avante Maddox ran a four three nine at the combine. Okay. The we, you and I, the three of us, have talked about Avante Maddox probably three dozen times since he was drafted. Yeah. And. I two teams that I really trust told me that they thought the Eagles reached. I'm like, how how is this even possible? Mm-hmm. They said he's not real big. Okay, he's five nine and an eighth. Um, he's not real fast, but his combine time was very good. So what didn't you like? Well, his his time. This is and I, I have it in my in my text. His time speed does not match up with his tape. He doesn't he doesn't run fast on tape. Right. Brian Dawkins talks about it all the time when you put the shorts and shells on. You know anybody? No, he says anyone can run fast in shorts, but when you put the the pads on. Do you run at the same speed? So, so, so exactly. these two teams told me they thought the Eagles really reached. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I talked to someone in personnel with the Eagles. I said, what, what was your thought? You know, coming at what when you look at him now and you looked at him in training camp, like what is your thought on him? Sneaky fast was something that they said. Super smart, I think Bill taught us about him because Bill used to be the uh, the color voice for Pitt football. So yeah, he was a self made player. He Competitive was, toughness. He, yep. By the way, was he a walk? Was he was he was no, he, he, he was, was, he was recruit. Yep. Did he start immediately? No, he but he played a lot as a freshman. Okay. Yep. But they thought he was not fast enough on tape to be an outside corner. They thought he could only play inside. But if you went by his combine numbers, you go four three nine. This guy's an outside corner, right? But that's there's some question now when we talk about Avante Maddox, what he is. Mm-hmm. But I think he showed though this season being pressed into service wasn't just safety. When he played on the outside, he did an admirable job, right? So I think when we get back to the combine numbers, I think based on what Bill said and what you know we know as reporters talking to people, mm-hmm. tape is way more important than than combine numbers. But every once in a while, I think a guy will surprise you depending on what you think is important. We mentioned the 10, 20-yard shuttle, 63-cone. Broad jump to me is nice. You could see explosion from your lower body. I think that's yeah, important. But that that's, that's way down that's there. That's more about your athleticism. Yeah, though. absolutely. And I know some teams, depending if they're a quarterback, they, they are really big on their hand. Hand size, right? right. Also, for right. defensive ends, yes. they like their wingspan, right? Do you want to talk about of course. that, right? And offensive linemen as well. Offensive linemen, right. wingspan, Huge. and also how, they, how, they, how flexible they are. Well, how big their as, arms are. Exactly. I've always felt that I thought, I felt, to answer my own question, that yep. three-cone drill was a fairly good indicator for an offensive lineman. As far as, you know, you've got this short space that you have to operate with and your lateral movement and agility can really make or break you. You could be as tough as tough as nails, but if you can't catch up to the guy in front of you because you can't move laterally with that guy or protect your gap, then your toughness doesn't help you if you can't get your hands on a guy, right? Or your feet in position to get a guy. Absolutely. And I I just feel, uh, I guess, from the overall thought that from me as an evaluator, of course, you do all the stuff during the year, and you look at them, and you look at their film, and you look at their game tape, and you're there. I like it, especially when they all come in together, mm-hmm. and you can see them, how they, body language, how they interact, because you might have a player from a D2 or D3 school that never really played in a big game, so to speak, or a big bowl game. And now, how does he react? How does he feel? How does he look when he's going up against the D1 top guys? Right. So to be able to see him, see his body, see how he translates, see how he does cones, it does help you be able to adjust at your, your, your thought process because he's there with all the other good players, too. All right. Let me follow up that, that right. point. How much, how much value does the senior bowl have for you? Um. I think I, I I think it I think it has it, if you're the t- if you're the team that is the staff there it has a lot because you can actually see if they pick up your your system and see how they fit so that's a real football environment exactly. so that helps yeah and, and you're and you're with shoulder pads and helmet and, and a lot of times they also do the drills but they do it with shoulder pads and helmet and they do one on one drills right against these good players so you so get a better that, gauge of their play speed exactly yeah. because you could say all right I'm watching him do the um, uh, inside drill or one on one drills. Either you know against his team, which is good. You know, if it's a D one school, they got good competition on both sides. Right. But then to do it at the Senior Bowl when you had the best defensive backs, you know, going up against the best receivers, so to speak. Yeah. It does give you that ability to see how they can move if they're confident. Can they do things with their shoulder pads on? How they do it with other players? It's 
Yeah, so I think it's I think it's a I think it's a big deal. So so let's talk about the Eagles and going into the combine and based off what Ozzy just told us as his experience, which I, I imagine is a lot like, even though it's twenty years ago, it's it's fairly similar for every NFL team. You have your board, yep. you know where guys so are. That's the thing. That's the ranked. most important. Before you go to the combine, right. you guys, what's important is that you set your board, mm-hmm. you set your players who you think because you may have the everybody has the first round guy, but it's those next rounds that really make the difference in a draft. If you can get those uh, middle round guys to play. You've done something in the draft. So it's your ability to, to really put guys on your board before you go to the combine so that when you go there, you got eyes on them. Okay, so, so let's have, talk about two things then with them going into the combine. Their current personnel versus their board. You have to take care of one before the other, so to speak. I mean, you obviously want to draft the best player available, but some of your moves will be dictated to that. They go to the combine, Abinaz, and... They know that they've got a number of guys. I mean, the list is long, but the major ones, as far as guys they could lose are, or and could, will, should, I don't know, is Jay Ajayi, Ronald Darby, Brandon Graham, Jordan Hicks, uh, Golden Tate, Mike Wallace, Darren Spoles. Those are all guys who could be free agents at the end of the year. I didn't name everybody because there could be cuts like Jason Peters or we'll see what happens with Chris Long or anything, but those are the main guys right there. When you look at that list... Knowing that some we can't tell right now who's going to stay or go, right? Let's come up with your top five needs for the Eagles, knowing those guys could leave and they may have some major holes. So if I ask you, I'll start with you, Ozzy. Give me your top five needs for the Philadelphia Eagles. Top five, I would say, uh, I would say, uh, I'd say secondary. Is one secondary? Corner can you can you divide both. that from corner yeah. or safety for me? Oh, you guys are such pains in the neck. No. I am yeah, just kidding. <laughs> I think corners are, or cover corners are. are can you divide that into outside <laughs> and slot corner, please? <laughs> right side, left side. Slots, I got plenty of slots. Yeah, <laughs> I would say you know the outside corner. Okay, outside uh, corner. All right, one. And, then, and then I would say you know their safeties. I think that's uh, another one. Um, Safety too. Yep. Uh, I think it's fair. Yep. Yeah. When they get younger. Um, O line to me is is critical. Mm-hmm. I think um, their their linebacking core is also mm-hmm. uh, a need. No, I mean they lose Jordan Hicks and they basically have Nigel Bradham and and you know guys. Yep, um, they got to figure out what they're going to do with their running back situation. All right, that would be five. No, that's four. Is it? And then they need a deep threat on wide receiver. So it's corner safety, O line, oh, okay. linebacker, running back. No, yeah, isn't okay, that five? Yeah, okay, okay, Adam. All right, I'm going to rank that. It's funny. Bill's list are, is similar to mine. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what you, how do you want to rank them. Yeah, I mean, good point. Yeah. The hierarchy. Yep. So I would go... Oh, boy. I I would go defensive end. I'm going to tell you why. Derek Barnett has come back from a significant injury. Is it one gap uh, defensive end or two gap defensive end? No, 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 I'm just kidding. No, no, I just want to give you the me. same harassment <laughs> I gave Ozzy. Okay, <laughs> remember, Brandon Graham is up. Uh-huh. Chris Long is not up. Right. He's got another year left on his contract. And then Michael Bennett, he's got a year left, but you have to make a decision. There's a lot of uncertainty on both. Yes, I think that's yes, fair to say. They need to get younger. Yes. Folks, I want to explain something because I know you and I had our debate with corners, mm-hmm. and you stirred up you stirred it up a little bit on Twitter, and I got a lot of people coming after me. Let me explain something. Oh, then to I people. succeeded. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> thing you succeeded with on this 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 account. But it's never about how many numbers you have. It's about how much, in terms of, okay, we've got five corners, for instance. Right. Depth is not an issue for the Eagles at corner. High-end talent is. Right. Front offices don't think like fans or the media. They're always thinking about down the road. It's never about this year's draft. Mm-hmm. It's about four and five years down the road. As you project your cap 
and what your roster looks like, at defensive end, Michael Bennett and Chris Long are probably going to be gone. If they come back this season, they're definitely not going to come back the, the season after that. Who do you have left? Brandon Graham, right? You may not. They like to get bring bring Brandon Graham back, but it's it's not it's a tough negotiation with Joel Siegel's a great agent. Yes. As you know, he gets big time numbers. Yeah, Brennan's not coming back on a market, on a blow market deal. Right. And Derek Barnett's come back from a serious injury. They need young players. I agree. They need what Andy Reid would call fastballs and a younger, faster guys to get up upfield in the right. wide nights. And to so, answer your point, Holody Nada is a free agent, probably not going to be back. And Tim Jernigan's probably not going to be back at 11 million. Had that number, right. Correct. Yeah. So I think DN to me is number one. I have no problem if you want to have wide receiver at one or two or running back. So I'm going to go like this. I'm going to go D end. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go speed wide receiver on the outside. Boy, they would be set at wide receiver because they'll they've got Jeffrey on the outside. They've got Aguilar as their slot. To someone who asked us um, the question about Aguilar, yes, they need to reduce his cap number nine point three. Hey, we're going to get to that in our yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get section. to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But you have to assume that he's going to be back as their slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Matt Collins is coming off significant injury problems. You don't know about him. You don't know about Shelton Gibson, who was the offseason superstar last year. He would have, he would, guys, if he would have been able to take what he did in the offseason to the regular season, we're not talking about this. He's just, he's just there. He's just there. Speed at receiver, running back, absolutely. A three down back is a need. Depth is not the issue. A need is, is a three down back. Mm-hmm. Corner is not a need in terms of depth. I want, a big-time corner opposite Sidney Jones, who so far has not shown he could stay healthy. Two seasons, he's missed. I mean, th- this is crazy, man. He's missed 22 out of 32 games of the regular season. He's been playing on a playoff game. Correct. This is not acceptable. <laughs> Folks, this is why I'm harping on it. You could disagree with all you want. This is not the way the Eagles... The Eagles don't think like fans or the media. They think long-term, what do we have at the cornerback position? Mm. They have got four backups. Great. Depth is... A, Depth is is not a problem. High-end talent is. And, and you're right about safety. Where are the young safeties? I mean, that's why that's why um, Maddox had to play safety. Did a, did a yeoman's job, but... Correct. So, so, guys, overall, to sum this up, they have a lot of needs. They do have a lot of needs. And to put my five on yeah. it, uh, and it's pretty, I pretty, pretty consistent, I still think their number one need is a three-down running back. Their second need, I would say now, is a defensive... Lineman, it can actually be end or tackle, Adam. I because, should have said lineman, yeah. Because it doesn't really matter. They're they're going to be thin, most likely at either the Brooks depending injury, on what they do. Brooks injury really hurts them. Yes, that the, the offensive line. Yes, yeah. Well, I was talking about defensive line. I said, no, but you yeah. said it could be offense or defensive. No, I said it could be end or tackle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it could be either. Okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that okay. that would be uh, running back, defensive line. I do think safety. Is really important. They need a developmental safety. If, if one of these two guys gets hurt, where do they're they go? I know because they're not bringing Corey Graham back, and then you have to move Maddox again. And I don't know you if don't they're, do they're, they're going to do Question. that. Question: Where do you have offensive line here? Um, I don't. I, it, it's not as high as you would think for me. Um, but you can't address everything, and I think that they're. I, I'm going to assume, and I may be wrong in this, that Brooks will be okay. It, it, it's a six to eight month injury, so I'm going to assume he'll be all right. But if they don't. I liked what I saw out of Matt Pryor last year. I think that they like him, and could he step in there and play some right guard and hold the fort down? Yeah. And Sam Alou's young. Kelsey's coming back. Whoa, you're saying Matt, you think Matt Pryor's ready? Never played. Jordan Mailata never played, right? I mean, you're going to have to play guys oh, at certain positions okay. that have never played. It's a, okay, it's my top <laughs> six needs, then. 
offensive line. There you go. Um, so that would be there. Uh, and then I think linebacker, again, again, you can cover up a little bit of your deficiencies on offensive line with good offensive linemen around them. They have good offensive line. If you lose Jordan Hicks to free agency and Nigel Bradham gets hurt, who are you putting out to play linebacker? Paul Warlow? He's come back from ACL reconstruction. That's my point. Right, uh, right, Nate, right. uh, Nate Gary? Camus Grugier-Hill? No, I, no, they need right. a linebacker. They do. They so do. that that would be right. in my top five. There you go. They're the needs. So now we, we now now that we know that and all these conversations are going to happen, and by the time we do our, our podcast next week, I imagine there'll be a little bit of news. Something will happen, a transaction, because usually during the combine you get some little nugget of what's going to happen. An agent comes out and says, well, I'll, we're I'll, asking I'll, for a release. Yeah, yeah, you'll I'll, be there, right? Yeah, I'll be there, and that's just where I get all my information. So, all right, so yeah. maybe, we'll, uh, maybe we'll do it with we'll from you when, from, yeah, when you yeah. come back. But now we go to the board and the players that they should be looking at a little bit. Now, the, I don't know if all of us study every single guy in college football that's out there. Um, I would just say that I think based on our conversation, the Eagles are going to be looking at linemen, defensive, offensive, and really getting to know these guys over the next week. Is that is that fair, Ozzy? I mean, you felt offensive line and defensive line was a big, big area of concern. Yeah, I just yeah yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam. Either or, especially yeah. since yeah. it's how he came out and said this is a historic crop of defensive linemen. So it's hard for well, me to DN, think that they're the first time in years, guys. I yeah, mean, it seems like a decade that this is actually deep at DN. But here's the question. When we say it's deep, it might be deep from rounds one through five, mm-hmm. but high-end talent who can make an impact, that's the question. And they're picking 25th in the first round. So uh, there, it, to me, it's like you take, you're, you, when you're that far back in the first round, you're taking the best player available at a position of need. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in the top 10, you're taking a need pick. You're not, you're, you're up there for a reason almost certainly, unless... You're trading up for specific players. Yes, but I would like say Wentz. when you're picking in the top 10, you probably have multiple needs. So right, it's, it's a right. little combo of need versus best right. available he, need. Here to me, you could... The good thing about the Eagles is if they do nothing... As they go into free agency in the draft, guys, is there a position where they're in dire need? Not really. Do they need a three-down back? Yes. Can they mix and match and get away with it again as they did this sure, past they season? Could. Yes. I think linebacker, it would be their most instantaneous need, well, especially they if they don't have linebacker. Jordan Hicks. Yeah. Right. But there's this roster, the way it's constructed, if these people are coming back who are hurt or come back healthy, they're in a fairly decent shape. Mm-hmm. But if they want to be a solid playoff team, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to fact or fiction. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a combine episode of one. So the first one is fact or fiction. The Eagles will... Release someone during the combine. Fact or fiction? Well, they can. They may not announce it, but they may. It might get reported. Let's say that it'll be reports that they're going to release someone during the combine. Fact or fiction? This, now the combine ends March fifth, uh, fourth or fifth. I'd say yes. Fact. I got. I got to work on my fact. fact or fiction questions. No, but I got to look at the fact. date. Yeah, I'd okay. say fact because so might might so might turn out a pay cut. Sure. Ozzy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say fiction. Okay. I think that... Wait uh, till they get back? Well, I think that they are, um, just from my own experience, they're all there, so it's too busy. So they're, they got too much going on. They're too much focused on those guys there, so mm-hmm. they're distracted. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Adam and say fact. I've, I've, you're right that it generally doesn't, but well, there have been a couple of, um, like Namdi Asamoah got released during the combine. Wait, but there are yeah. a couple of instances where... You meet with the guy, and you just know after that meeting whether it's time to move on or not. And I, and I, in the past, I've seen, and I think with this team, with some of the veterans, 
like a Jason Peters, the, the answer is going to be crystal clear after a meeting and something goes go, will happen. Yeah, I'm not saying Jason Peters is going to come. I'm just saying there are so many guys who are older on this team where it'll be known well, right away. Well, and Adam would, would understands this too. You know, a lot of times the teams use the combines to meet with agents of players that are on their team. Of course. So to your point, they can meet with a, an agent and say, listen, here's what we're thinking. And they then say, well, no. And so they actually come to an agreement or disagreement and say, you know what? We're not going to come to anything. We're just going to release them. So right. it can happen because the agents are there, and a lot of people do use that opportunity. Most of the time, Oz, and you know, this may be even a development over the last few years, yep. is that every team meets pretty much with every agent, whether they have a player or not, because they just want to know the entire – and it becomes like, a, all right, get, who do you have? And these agents, they'll show you they have notebooks with – but and, you, and, uh, and that shocked me. I'm like, wait, the team doesn't know who this guy is. I know who this guy is, no, but they, the agents have notebooks. They want to show them every single detail. They want to see the players. Every analytic. Right. Well, they they actually want to see the list of of players right. for the draft, but for the free agency meetings are already set. Like as a matter of fact, they'll probably be set by Sunday. Yeah, they'll know. Okay, on Wednesday we're meeting with these six agents. This Not is the most is, important week in the Eagles' history coming up. I mean, in re- season, modern, yeah, this is this the is most a big one week. because they have the contract restructures, mm-hmm. con- contract pay cuts. Guys are going to be released. Where they're going to tell the agent up front, here's what we're going to do with your player. Then they've got the combine interviews, and then what they do is, we're not talking about the Eagles specifically here, we, we don't want to say they're not doing the right thing, but what happens is, and we know it, teams will meet with agents for players they don't rep- they don't have on their team, and they'll ask they this agent, what are you looking for in a contract? And they'll exchange numbers, mm-hmm. and they'll get back to them, they'll start right. they're talking, and then... Right. I've been told that's slowed a little bit because of the legal tampering period. Well, the Giants are the one team. uh The Giants, I'm talking ages, the Giants are the one team that really do things by the book. Right. But they say, you know, there's a a saying in the NFL if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You're trying, right. So, anyway. (laughs) All right, next uh, fact or fiction. The first contract extension for an Eagles starter or impact player this offseason will go to Carson Wentz. Fact or fiction, Ozzy? Um. Fiction. And the only reason why I'm saying that, the only reason why I'm saying that, is I'm just taking the field because I don't know how they're going to do it, but it, it like could that. happen. It's like yeah. Tiger versus the field. Yeah, exactly. I'm just taking the other. There's so many other players, so that's why. <laughs> okay. Not that's wait. Not repeat, give me that question again. The first extension, in-house extension, given by the Eagles this year, will go to Carson Wentz. Uh fiction. I agree with you. Uh, we're all on board on that. Fiction. I oh, think it's going to be Nelson Aguilar. Now you're agreeing with me. I want to change it. Yeah. That's all right. Good. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, personally, I think it'll be Nelson Aguilar. He's the one whose cap at right now needs to change at almost ten, nine and a half million. All right, last one. Fact or fiction? Somebody this year will break the combine forty record. Now I'm only introducing that because in my reading, I've, they, they're saying that this is a very good speed wide receiver class. And there's a kid from Georgia whose name I'll tell you right now who's already said he's got his eyes on it. And I believe it's four two two by John Ross. I have to. It might be lower than that. I have to. I'll have to go check. No, four two two forty. Georgia wide receiver McCole Hardman has already said he's got it in his sights. I hope I pronounced that right. Right, McCole, McCole. Okay. So uh, will that re- will John Ross's record be broken next week? Ozzy. Hmm. So there, what's the, what's this? What's the time again? What's the time? Four two two forty. Four two two forty. Um. Who's the guy that said he's going to do it? Well, McCole Hardman from Georgia has said it's in his sights. He's he's hoping to. No. No. They're not breaking it. Adam. I would say no. Fiction. And let me tell you something that's funny about this, too. When I was there two years ago, Mm -hmm. Adidas had a uh, a big 
room and uh, actually they were so kind they gave my two boys uh, adidas cleats but they had this thing all set up and if you broke the record in their shoes i believe that they gave you like a hundred thousand dollars and an island or something like some type of trip because it was like this island theme uh-huh and it was really cool because that year somebody did set the record or break it but they didn't wear adidas shoes i think they were wearing nike shoes oh so right. anyway just My, there uh, there is literally money to be made in anything yeah, nowadays exactly. and that just shows yeah. you all yeah. right adam to your point by the way um and you said no adam no. Is, are you okay to four, your point yeah. three of the top four combine record holders in the 40s have not you know chris johnson is isn't tied for second with um mm. at a four two four with Rondell Menendez. Don't know who I don't think was. anybody knows. And do you remember Jerome Mathis? He's third at four point two six. Yes, Jerome. But he wasn't sure. he was not an impact player, sure. if I'm if I'm correct in the NFL. Okay. I don't think he he was an all pro his first year, but he only played in the league three years. He was an all pro returner. He was a yeah, Jerome yeah, Mathis. I remember the name, yeah. Yeah, wow. he was never yeah. much of a player and he only played two years in the league. So yeah, to your point about the overrating of the combine speed, there you go. Uh and the last fact or fiction, I think that was it. That was that three? Did I give you guys three? Yeah, someone will bring the combine. So I say no also. I think the combine record will stay John Ross's. All right, let's go to our last segment, which is Ask the Insider, because we did have some some pretty good questions, including someone asking us about um, Nelson Aguilar's cap number, if you happen to see. It was uh, from Herb at Herbicidal, and he says, if Nelson Aguilar will not accept a reduced salary or a team-friendly extension, what should the Eagles do? Release him before the start of the league year, Carry the money on the books and then trade him or pay him and use him this year. So are you, Adam. It's a good question. Yeah, I remember Joe Banner telling me when you when you approach agents with pay cuts or you say, Hey, listen, this is what we want to do, this is what we're trying to accomplish. You, you if they say no, you got you have to have mm-hmm. you have to have recourse here. You have to have a something in the back of your mind that you're willing to do. It, the number's just not acceptable as a slot receiver. You're not you're not going to pay a guy nine point three seven million. I, I get it that that's his rookie contract. Um, I suspect that they're going to approach him. Uh, it's the his base salary becomes fully guaranteed on March thirteenth, mm-hmm. first day of free agency. Uh, I expect them to, to work on that. Uh, his agent is Roosevelt Barnes, who's been in the business. Gosh, it's got to be go back to the eighties. Yeah, long time. So I expect them now. Now, if he says no, um. What player would not want to have their contract re- extended? Yeah, because he's like not, the they're deal. not asking him for a pay cut. They're going to give him an extension yeah, with more you're money. Yeah, lower. You, you, what you do is you for take... The, th- for the purpose of the question, though, he's yeah. saying, what if he doesn't like the the, the, the offer, the extension that Will the Eagles you let give? him play on it? I think it's something that you let... To ask Answer Herb's question. I think it's something that you let marinate for a while. You you go you go to other agents. You, you, you deal with him later. Mm-hmm. Um, but... At some point, if you think it's like he's the last guy, you got to get, you got to move his number. Mm-hmm. Then you have a decision to make. Yeah, but you could get back to him. It's not, a, it's not imperative because Foles' number, his twenty millions off the, is uh, is off the books for nineteen. Mm-hmm. The question is whether they tag him or not. If they tag him or not, they're in real good shape. If they if 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 they don't tag him, I mean, if they tag Foles, mm-hmm. they got a problem. Right. Then they're going to continue to go to more players. Yeah. Well, I would say this: if he doesn't ex- want to agree to an extension for whatever reason, I would seriously consider trading him and then using that money on Golden Tate. That that's what I. That's the built-in advantage of oh, having Golden they, Tate but, there. But okay, look, Golden Tate, and it's because a lot a lot of it had had to do with him being traded. Mm-hmm. They, they they just never got his full use. Correct. He is, and uh, and they stand in the way of each other, Aguilar and Golden Tate. They're, used, know, they're we, too similar. Yeah, exactly. Which is what we thought when they made the trade. Which is why we thought Nelson's numbers would drop. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, 
three or four weeks later, Aguilar's numbers started coming off. So, I don't know, Bill. You were you were a guy who worked in NFL front office. Did you do pro personnel or just college? I did both. Oh, you did, did both. both. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know contracts that you know, the cap was different then. Yep. Were you there when they had the cap? What years were you with Kansas City? I was there 93, 94. Plan, plan so, B for agency. Plan B, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was right okay. when Plan B was just coming into uh, existence. Uh, but could you possibly have two? You can't pay two slot receivers, right? Can you? How, yeah. do, how do you make it work between Aguilar and- I mean, uh, I, I guess hey. you could depending on your schemes and depending on the age and depending on who it is. I mean, I guess you could, um, um, but you, you probably, because you're- because you know, the money is so tight and the cap is so, so important to use and you have so many needs, you probably don't want to do that. That That's my feeling. And that's why I would leverage one versus the other. Yeah, and you, and that's that's a good opportunity to do yeah. that too because and as a player, if you want to stay, you better figure out if they're offering you a, an extension, you better mm-hmm. grab it while you can. Like a bird in the yeah. hand, right? I mean, Nelson Aguilar has never had 70 catches, never had more than 850 yards, so he's in no position to turn down any kind of decent offer that the Eagles give. And I like Nelson Aguilar and I think he should stay. So mm-hmm. I imagine that they're going to they'll work it out. And I think Golden Tate has a little bit of, um, you know, what is this guy? You know, because he had such great numbers at Detroit and then he comes here and it was like, so he might have... I agree. You might be able to get him at a reduced number because he didn't end the, that, well, the, I mean. the year like, so that's well. I mean. yeah. There's some, because of the way he came here, that yeah. people are not really... But you're trusting, Bill, that you could figure it out in the offseason how to use him properly. Because he was uh, a mega receiver for the Lions, mostly as a slot. Yeah. He came to the Seahawks as a outside receiver. Um, so I think... I, this is a tough one. Look, I, Aguilar, I believe, will be on the roster one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But bring Tate back is hard because they have to get through some contracts here. Well, so. I agree with you on that. It's either one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. The next question comes from Paperboy at Marley for Prez. I'm sorry, Marley for Prez. Uh, realistically, what round do you think the Eagles draft a running back? Or will they try and go after Tevin Coleman from Orlando? He would be great. He would be a great fit from, for, for what they need. And he's got size, but he's never been the guy. Uh, Are he, they going to let him walk, by the way? Are yeah, they just going to let him walk? Yeah, I, 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 they wow. have not said they don't want him back. But you're not going to pay. I know, but here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Freeman got hurt. He was out for three quarters of the season. He didn't have a great season, Tevin Coleman. Now, I'm a fan. He's talented. He's got good size. He's incredibly explosive. In fact, I thought that had the Niners not signed Jarek McKinnon last year, I thought that's where he'd go because of Kyle Shanahan. But he would be a great fit. But he just has not shown, Jeff, that he could be a three-down back. Mm, Yes, you're correct. Explosive, though. I believe Freeman has probably stood in the way of that. So what my plan would be, I would have no issues with them trying to sign him in free agency and also using a high draft pick on a running back Hell no, I'm not doing that. Hell no. Why? I'm not investing resources. I'm not investing a lot of resources in running back. I'll draft a guy as high as the second round and be done with it. You've got Clement. Adams is small, but I'm good. If Sproles wants to come back and have his limited role, I'm good. I'm not spending it. Well, I, I would because pick. it's Why? short-term money. I'm not signing Tevin Coleman to a seven-year deal. I'm signing him to a three-year deal. Most of the money in the first year or two, while I groom a running back for this offense. I don't need, but you're not grooming a second-round pick. Yeah, that guy's they playing. did it with Lashawn McCoy. They had Brian Westbrook. That was ten years ago. What's changed about the about yeah, how the Eagles not, do business? Brian Westbrook also was, had not established himself yet. No, what? Brian Westbrook had not established no, himself. No, he, he was in the committee when he first got there. When, when they drafted point. LaShawn McCoy, Brian Westbrook was at the tail end of his no, career. No, I'm talking about when McC- what you you said in passing when Westbrook got in there. Westbrook- no, but I'm saying they had Westbrook and and they drafted it with a second round pick LaShawn McCoy, meaning they knew Westbrook's days were numbered a year or two, and then LaShawn would take over. This is the same concept. <laughs> Numbers are different now. I'm not. Pa- Coleman's going to want to get paid. 
I'm not. I'm not going to pay him a lot of money. Uh, do running backs normally get paid on the free agent market? I, we'll I, see. I, I agree. I agree with okay, I'll agree structure. with you. I'm not going to overpay yeah, for yeah. Tevin Coleman, but I, I'm not spending a second or third round pick and and paying Coleman. I'm just all right. Good. I've got we other disagree. Needs. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Needs. That's fine. Um, last. Oh, Ozzy, did you want to weigh in on that as far no, as the I running mean, back situation? Well, I think that the they said who they're going to will they draft one in the second round? No. It said what round realistically do you think they'll draft the running back in? I'm thinking. Third or fifth? Third or fifth. Okay. Yeah. I agree with cool. third. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, do we have any more questions? Oh, uh, one more. J.R. Willis at It's J.R. Willis. With nine draft picks, is it realistic for the Eagles to come out of this draft with two immediate starters? I'll start off and just say, first of all, I don't know if that matters as much because Derek Barnett was not an immediate starter and he helped the team win the Super Bowl and he was a very uh, he was an impact player. But I guess the, the question would be, well, it depends on really what position they're drafting at. If, if they pluck an offensive lineman, you know, for a future left tackle, there's no guarantee he's going to start right away. He's going to be thrown in the mix. He could. He couldn't. Same thing with a D-end or a D-tackle. Do you mean start of this season or down the road? Uh, what did he say? He well, said he immediate. said immediate, so I'm thinking he means now. Uh, no. My, my Running back, yes, no. though, right? Uh, if, so the question is, that they draft someone, do they, will, they, will they say start or be a big... Immediate starter. I know that becomes fuzzy because, you know, no, is a nickel saying, cornerback going to be a no, starter? Yeah, that's no, a good question. Yeah, I would say probably may, Maybe if you draft some tremendous, like you said, running back or uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm looking at all their needs. I just, Here, I here's the best way to ask the question then. Yeah. It, what positions right now could the Eagles draft high and that player would be an impact starter? Linebacker? Middle First linebacker. round pick? Yeah, yeah. start. Sure. Definitely. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Right. And, and Corner, probably not, to be honest corner, with, with you. Corner. Even a first round pick, I'm not sure would start. Yep. Uh, safety, Although probably not. Yep. And D line, probably how, not. How about offensive? How about left tackle? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe. I, don't, I, I just, to sum up the left tackle situation <laughs> at, at, at press time here, we don't know about Peters yet. If Peters doesn't come back, I think Jeff and I had talked about a couple weeks ago. I think we thought that at least they would come in. They would have an, they would have some competition for Malata. I think that as much as they say they love him, I can't imagine they're going to go in. All right, it's your job. You're not going to have any competition. They're not going to have a safety valve. God forbid it doesn't work. So this, as you set up really well, Jeff, this is a major offseason for the Eagles. That's right. So this is a big week, Combine. The next time we do Inside the Birds, we're going to wrap up what happened at the Combine. I'm sure we'll have some news pertaining to free agency, contracts, all that. But uh, this was a great discussion. Ozzy, really good stuff on on Dion and your your Combine stories. And Adam, enjoy yourself at the Combine. When we come back, we'll have a lot of big news. So for Adam Kaplan, Billy Osborne, Jeff Mosher, this has been Inside the Birds. (laughs) 